0: Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of the B2B SaaS company VAM that's helping sales teams increase their sales through video messaging. I started this podcast because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I know that I need to learn from the best. So with that said, let's jump into the episode.
1: Hi, I'm Ola Sars, CEO and founder at Soundtrack Your Brand. You are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hello, Ola. Hello, Youssef, How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, good, good. It's raining a little bit, but it's... Uh Summer is is properly here in Stockholm, right? So everyone's happy for once. Exactly.
0: It's a perfect timing to do a podcast. And uh, let's jump into it, Ola. The first question in all my episodes. Can you do the elevated pitch of what is Soundtrack, your brand?
1: Of course. uh, In the world, there's around 100 million businesses today that are playing music in their stores, their cafes, their gyms. Music is... Played in 96% of all businesses today. But there is no music streaming solution for businesses. They need to use radio or CDs or old technology. Soundtrack your brand solves for that problem. We're launching the world's first music streaming service for businesses.
0: You, you have done that several times, I can imagine, because that was a good pitch.
1: Very simple. Uh, it always has to be based on an actual need out there and a pain point and a so-called job to be done, right? And sometimes the most evident and simple uh, problems are the ones that you need to solve for. How many countries are you in today? So Soundtracker brand is currently live in 76 countries. Um, we, we offer up a music catalog at, of around 60 million tracks. So almost the same level as Spotify or Apple but licensed and enabled for business use or commercial use. So um, we are the first streaming service for businesses that have you know, the similar offering as a consumer service like Spotify.
0: And then I want to follow up with where did it start for you? Because I want to know, how did you end up, Ola,
1: as a B2B SaaS CEO? <laughs> Good question. I don't know uh, if I even knew what B2B SaaS was 10 years ago. So I have a background in the consumer markets, I've been building um, streaming services on the consumer side previously, beats music, I was one of the co founders of that then got acquired by Apple and turned into Apple Music. Before that, I did a company called pacemaker, which was the world's first pocket sized DJ system. And, uh, and then I, I learned about the music industry and music streaming and how technology is changing everything in this industry and then by pure chance i got the question you know a couple of hundred times how do i play music in my store Or how do i use beats apple spotify in my store and you can't because it's only licensed and the product is only for consumer use so i thought uh, i'd start that and i started The first company was called Spotify business, which I co-founded together with Spotify, uh, and that was 2013, 2014. And then in 2016, we pivoted out of Spotify business to becoming an independent company called soundtrack. And I think at that point, uh, I started realizing that we are a B2B SaaS company. (laughs) We sell software as a service to businesses worldwide. Hence, I need to get my shit together and really build a world-class B2B SaaS company. So I started reading everything about it and really kind of training myself in the profession of running a B2B SaaS company.
0: And when you say a quote like, get your shit together, what do you mean with pre-get your shit together and after that?
1: First, getting your shit together is obviously understanding uh, what type of company you are. And then that was for me, like I came from the consumer streaming markets and I I didn't think that much about being a B2B player. I was thinking a lot like, well, if you're buying uh, music streaming as a consumer, it's pretty similar to actually buying it as a business. It wasn't. So first was realizing the fact that B2B is not only different in terms of all the licensing that we have to do, we have 16,200 licensing deals with labels and publishers worldwide and that's not that's so uniquely to provide you know business in, music in business. And then we needed to build a product stack obviously which also is completely different for B2B versus B2c as a business for example, you want to be able to control a 100 juice bars around the world from one instance and you need to be able to remove explicit lyrics and you need to be able to schedule music for the right time. So a completely different product also understanding that the product is different and then finally understanding that the go to market meaning how you go to market how you sell and market is also completely different as b2b that was getting my shit together understanding that we're a b2b saas company and then the second step of getting your shit together is you know really really managing to develop a clear strategy on how to capture the market opportunity of music in business Uh, And then the third step of getting your shit together is finding a tactical execution plan in order to fulfill that strategy. So that took me, you know, uh, a bunch of years, honestly. And how many is a bunch of
0: years? Are we talking two or three or four years?
1: From the pivot from Spotify business into Soundtrack as an independent company and then kind of progressing towards becoming a, a product led growth company within the B2B SaaS, which is one segment of, of B2B SaaS, um, it, it took three, four years, I would say. And then being able to build a product to reach product market fit, I would say that, that took another year. So 2021, I would say, was the actual year when we had made it to product market fit and found our go to market fit as well. So. This is the first year <laughs> that, that I'm actually, I think I have my shit together, but probably not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is so inspiring to yeah, because when I look at my own uh, leadership and journey, I'm like, good, we, we, we are on the track. We are, and we, we learn and it <laughs> will go good. Give it five yeah,
1: years. Give it five
0: years. Yeah, exactly. So, OK, uh, thank you for this, Ola. Uh, let's continue with
1: uh, what do you like the most about being a CEO? I don't know Um, I mean it's kind of become a role after starting companies based on being an entrepreneur I have I haven't yet kind of started a company where I've brought in an external CEO uh, and I've started a lot of companies Uh, so I kind of tend to take the role as a CEO uh, and I like it because you get to build uh, a team to fulfill your business vision right? And yeah. you you get to kind of put together the machine that's going to build um, the solution. So and that that obviously is something that's never done. Uh, this, the job of a CEO is never done. You're never like, okay, we're done. I can go home. So it kind of it fulfills my every day, every week, every year with purpose, and um, it's great to continuously improve on a strategy as well that's very 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 satisfying when you work through the years and suddenly you start actually seeing results on on the vision that you had when you started the company and you have to sit in the CEO role to fulfill that
0: and when you're talking about fulfillment and if we take it one layer deeper would you say like is it constant growth learning is that something that gives you fulfillment
1: it's different right from from company to company now for soundtrack it's really, I mean, we're a, we're a very focused vertical B2B SaaS company. And it, it still means we have a huge addressable market estimated to $40, $50 billion for, for you know, music in business, but it's still much smaller than previous gigs in the consumer space. So for me, it's been much more moving away from growth at any cost, Building as much user base as possible, like we did at Beats, Apple, and then uh, you know on the Spotify side, to really building value. And when I mean value, it's, I mean, actually building, my vision now is to build the most profitable music company in the world. And in order to do so, you need to achieve extreme scale. And extreme scale is really what drives me right now. Scale is... Meaning that you could, with less than 100 people, we're only 78 FTEs today, actually build a global service and drive hundreds of millions or or maybe even billions of dollars in revenue without having to become a big organization. I see no interest at all building a lot of people. I see a lot of interest of, of generating a lot of revenue, top line revenue and net revenue per individual. That's really what's my religion right now, right now. Scale and profitability.
0: I love it. That's your religion right now. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. Well, so uh, you talked about where you're going, uh, what you love to do, what fulfills you, and what's your challenges right now. Then, what's what's your what would you say is the biggest challenge for you right now?
1: Well, um, soundtrack is still a very small company. We're twenty million dollars in ARR. Just that kind of, as I said previously, reaching. Uh, product-market fit and then go-to-market fit, meaning that we've now found a scalable way of distributing our service worldwide. The next challenge, I would say, comes as a result of a very challenging market, right? Because right now, SaaS companies are getting killed uh, in terms of uh, funding and and valuations and so forth. And everyone's all of a sudden talking about capital-efficient growth they're talking about profitability, the word that never was mentioned two years ago. Uh, so the sentiment has changed. And we're just at like kind of a point where we need to decide either, like okay, let's just move into profitability because we can. Uh, or do we go out and try to raise you know $100 million and really kind of go full on?
0: Okay, but you have you have the position right now. So if you want to go to profitability race, you, you can switch and
1: right now be there the, the current plan given where we are right now is moving into profitability second half of next year so from in 12 months we will be trailing right into profitability that comes at a cost it comes at a cost at you know may potentially move it, uh, losing market momentum right yeah so that's the biggest challenge like do we save it home uh, and kind of move into profitability and then do the next funding or do we, do we raise money beforehand and, and kind of start burning through uh, significant amounts of money again?
0: And since you are turning your lean towards that and what would you give me and the listeners uh, that hear this right now as an advice for the upcoming one or two years from what you see?
1: Yeah, I think I've read so many market reports now and market analysis and it's just a fact that the, the market has changed it's a completely different market. You have to have a very clear idea on how to reach profitability and how to grow at least with capital efficiency. Otherwise I think you're gonna have a really hard time raising money if you're required to do so. Even in the early stages. So and that's a really big change. I mean obviously the best, best, best companies, the you know, the the half a percent top, top, top performers that have Amazing growth can probably raise money with, with significant burn still. But the others, the normal people like myself, I don't think so. I know it's not what everyone wants to hear, but it's, I think it's really you need to deal with that reality.
0: Let's not focus on what people want to hear. Let's talk about what's the reality and what, what needs to be said.
1: Yeah, and the reality for me right now is that I'm sitting outside and it's starting to rain, so I have to move inside if it's okay. So you're going to get some extra dynamics in your podcast.
0: Yeah, maybe we will, or maybe I will cut this out. Uh... <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay, Ola. Which two to five focus areas takes up the most of your working week?
1: Well, it, it depends on where you are in the stage of, of a company, right? So currently I'm in... I'm in a fundraising stage where I've been trying to calibrate what's the smartest way to fund the company to the next stage. And it's been extremely challenging given that the market is changing right in front of us. So I would say that currently, just now, the last three to six months, 50% of my week has been fundraising. Um, And that's just because I'm in that stage right now. And then, um, but in a normal circumstance, let's say that we conclude the funding that I'm that I'm doing right now, which I'm looking to do here this summer, and it's looking good. I think I'm almost done, and like we have a good plan, uh, which we do have. We have we have funded that plan with sufficient capital. Actually, that plan is funded fully to profitability uh with uh, 10 million dollars uh, so we're very close to profitability right now then i kind of move my focus to operations and execution right and i think the first most important job for a ceo is to execute on the plan provided to investors that's really the link between the investors and the uh, the the funders of the, the project so Everything that I do then is about delivering to what, we're, what we put in that business plan. And so, so moving beyond the closing the funding and uh, kind of into executing on the plan, I would say the, the top three kind of areas that I should focus on is A, seeing to that my team, my management team has the right focus and that they are delivering on their promise to the business plan. Meaning basically performance updates, analysis, coaching, and with the full management team following up on the plan. So like enabling my management team to execute on the plan, that's my core purpose then. Then obviously on top of that, uh, I also have to manage the board and the investors. That's my job. So that takes probably... More time than than you would wish it would take. I have to. I also am the chairman in my company, so that's maybe very. Oh wow! Yeah, you yeah, I love Most it. U.S. most I have a U.S. company set up, so I have to plan. Board work, I have to plan the the kind of the business reviews with the board, I have to plan strategy sessions and so forth with the board. So that's kind of but that's also very important because you need to service your investors the whole time as a CEO. It's extremely important, you can't just see them as a money bag, you need to see them as partners. So first of all, then seeing too that my management team is able to deliver on the plan, following up on that with precision and then adjusting accordingly, secondly, seeing that my investors are happy that we're constantly in fundraising basically so we could we could potentially raise money tomorrow uh, if even if we don't have to that's kind of the work with with the board and and the investors and then I think uh, the third part is obviously culture uh, and that's moving from just kind of the operational stuff and uh, kind of executing on a plan uh, to managing our investors to building a company that, you know, is going to be there, even if I'm not, I'm not there. Uh, institutionalizing culture, institutionalizing um, the soundtrack brand and the interpretation of that brand internally and using the soundtrack brand to enable people to make the right decisions, anyone in the team. So those three would be kind of, I would say, my core core consumption patterns of, of time
0: great and then i want to dive deeper now and continue talking about culture when you laid it up at the end here for me so can you please ola share some concrete things you you have put in your calendar or in your strategy to ensure a great company culture if you go a bit deeper now on culture
1: i think culture is is um a very complex matter right so it needs to be treated not like a soft HR thing it needs to be treated as strategic high priority uh, topic for the board the CEO and the management team so really having it on the agenda first of all uh, and not kind of distributing it to someone else you as the CEO need to own culture in your organization that's the first kind of statement it can't be Uh, move to anyone else or move to HR or like soft values or head of culture or something like that. It doesn't work like that. So so then the second part is obviously working with culture in a structured manner, meaning finding a framework. For us, uh, we have a framework called core beliefs, which is a theoretical framework. Like there's there's a bunch of them, like different, just choose one. It doesn't really matter which one you choose, but as long as you have a clear structure and a framework for how to work with culture. And for us, it, it it's it's institutionalized in, in something that we call core beliefs, something that the whole organization can sign off on, that we, we truly believe in these things. Uh, and then working with that on an ongoing basis with the organization, for us, it was about, you know, so let's just say one of our core beliefs is we believe in the power of music which is one of our core beliefs. Uh, And then there's a a bunch of, then obviously we, we, as a whole team have worked through, what does that mean? And why do we believe in it? Why can we all sign off on that fact? Then we have data supporting that. Obviously we see that music moves sales, music can fix a broken day. Uh, A great track can make you smile again and everything that kind of both the data and the emotional stuff are all interlinked to that belief. So it needs to be real. It can't just be fancy words. It has to be thoroughly supported by data and real belief and then institutionalized through um, a structure. And then you need to work with them the whole time. You need to challenge them. You have to engage the whole team, work with... So what we do is obviously we, we work with the whole company at least once every six months and we work through the core beliefs and we challenge them and see if we're still aligned around them or if we can improve them somehow. It's not harder than that, but you, but you need to have a structure and you need to own it as the CEO.
0: You're you're really structured. I, I, I love this because you, you don't just say a thing, then you say the thing, mechanism behind it. So let's move on. Back to you again. What is your greatest strength, Ola? If you want to be a bit humble, then you can say, my management team or feedback has told me that.
1: So that's what you get from all Swedish CEOs, right? <laughs> like it's, it's the t- the people around me, which is really, which is really the strength of the c- of a CEO. It's finding the right people to lead. I don't know if it's my relative uh, strength uh, compared to any other CEOs, but I can confirm that I have extremely good c level executives around me. Um, And I've been able to organize them with the right type of ownership and responsibility and resources. So leadership for me is about one very clear thing. That's responsibilities and mandates. When you're as a leader, you distribute a responsibility to a C-level, but you also give them the mandate to make decisions. If you only allocate the responsibility and then you're a little bit in the gray zone of the actual mandate, oh, don't make those decisions without asking me. So then you're, you're, you're not doing it right or you don't have the right person that you don't trust. So for me, I think my mission and vision and my objective as a leader is being able to recruit the right people so I can fully allocate responsibility and mandate and then they go execute And they only come to me when we kind of regroup as a whole team or if they need guidance. So I think right now I'm in a position where I think I could almost disappear for six months and they will keep executing on the plan. Maybe it's not, maybe maybe not really, but almost. And do you accept
0: being a superstar, recruit the right people and surround yourself with the right people? Would you say you have at least one more superpower that makes you a great CEO?
1: Um, no, I don't, but I, and it's not, I think it's, it's really finding the structure and the right people in the right place with the right responsibility and the right mandate with the right strategy, right. And the right tactical plan, that's the job of the CEO, um, to get there in order to get there, you need to fund that as well. And you need to get the board alignment and sign off on the plan and so forth. So that's really kind of, um, the whole structure of it. But I do think I have one thing um, that's unique for me and that is the understanding of our industry. Uh, and the music industry is um, a fairly complex creation. Um, it's not always logical. It, there's a lot of creative people that don't think you know <laughs> about money first or you know it's just very very charming but also dysfunctional at its core. And in order to business in, do business successfully in the music industry, you really need to understand the industry or you're screwed. And I think I, I actually have done so many mistakes in this industry and done multiple companies that I do have a deep understanding of the driving forces of the music industry and the changes of the music industry. And that's quite unique. Not a lot of people have done for startups in the music space. So that really gives me a superpower to manage a company in my specific industry.
0: Great answer, yeah. So I want to know now, company goal systems. What framework on a company goal system level do you work with at Soundtrack? Um,
1: I mean, first of all, we have a tactical or strategic framework work called product-led growth, which is a very clear framework for certain uh, version of B two B SaaS companies that have a product-led growth approach. So I'm not going to talk uh, a lot about product-led growth. I think a lot of people have read about it, but it's really what I think a sophisticated way of scaling B2B SaaS companies. So that's the first statement. And when you define your company as a product-led growth company, that kind of includes the whole kind of performance structure that you want to follow as well, because it's mainly focused on a self-service motion, it's it's very focused on uh, customer acquisition through online marketing, for example, and so forth. So the product-led growth framework sets pretty much up the kind of performance structure that we use as well. So our scorecard, which is what we follow the whole time, and it's nothing more complicated than a number of core business KPIs that I want to lift up and that someone owns in the management team, and at that we own as a collective together as well. And those are related to how you track a product-led growth company. And those are just in general, uh, web to free trial conversion rate, cost per web free trial, free trial to paying conversion rate, cost per paying conversion, product qualified lead ratio, meaning the number of customers coming in that actually use the product on a level that, that is satisfying and that we know creates a healthy cohort. Then we look to expansion rates on account level, how an an account expands and we track that to net revenue retention. So, and then for the whole kind of acquisition, it's customer acquisition cost, obviously, and then on the customer basis, lifetime value per account. So if I would summarize my whole tracking of the company, it's nothing more sophisticated than growth rate, CAC LTV ratio and net revenue retention. Those are the three things that I, I I, and the management team, anyone in the company knows are critical for business performance.
0: Nice. And once again, you answered my following question. It's okay, uh, Ola. I- I'm gonna, almost gonna wrap this up, but I, I need to throw in now. Uh, this is a nerdy question, mostly for me, because I'm an outreach and sales nerd and I have found a band that is a video messaging for sales companies. So, so I ask all my guests now, what would you say is the best way to do an outreach to you
1: wow that's i've seen a couple of good ones lately and it's i think if i if i were to generalize obviously the ones that the few that have captured me are obviously the ones that are most relevant in terms of the that the problem that's top of mind for me right now so i don't know if that helps you but if if a sales lead function and outreach function can help you understand what's the number one problem in my head right now and you time it then obviously you've done an amazing job and that's stating the obvious right for example the other week someone came with me with an email that was incredibly close to where i was right now in terms of a business challenge and, and just, I read the first sentence and I'm like, I just about to delete it. And that was correct. And the the second sentence was also correct. And then the third sentence, what, what, what if there was a solution? So obviously extremely challenging and uh, obvious and probably every sales person's dream to have a system, but that's really when you, when you're able to spend the time and in this case, it was actually for, for a funding topic. Sure.
0: Nice. Yeah, this is my own collecting data points to, to improve my own usage and product on the long run.
1: So as, as, an, as, a, as an example on that one, it's just like, hey, Ola, I know you guys are hitting $20 million in ARR and are probably looking for a hybrid funding solution moving forward. So I'm like, uh, okay, that was hyper relevant because that's exactly what I was working on. And then it was all kind of the next one. I can't remember what it was, but it was also di- bang on. Would you say that when they have your interest and you have read the email, is it
0: better to have a small, quick video pitch included before you jump heads into a meeting? Or do you just want to go 30 minute meeting, right? I,
1: I'm never going to take a meeting. Uh, I'm never going to take a meeting. So you have to do much more. So, and I don't want to sound like, you know, uh, I don't have time for a meeting, but it's like I think that goes for everyone. So I think video is the, the core. It has to be like a 30, 30 to 40 second video uh, the second step i think that's the future thank you for helping me and all the other video
0: players out there to sell the future of video so all of with this said now the last big question for my and then we're gonna wrap this up if you would give yourself think of ola 2015-16 if you would give yourself free advice what would be the top three things you should give to me and yourself
1: the advice I would give to someone who's I mean it's so hard in the beginning, it's all it's all about getting a job, it's all about making, you know, making a living and you know being fortunate enough to get to those points. But if you if, if you said ask someone who's who's been able to create a career and a successful career somehow and you're kind of making a living and you're doing fine, I think the the best advice I gave to myself back then was try to find the ability to work with something that you're passionate about. And I know it sounds quite cliche, but it was for me, it was music was one thing and I had created a career, so had the opportunity to take the risk to do so. So if one can combine uh, a passion with a a real professional potential, then I think you have so much much higher probability of succeeding because you're waking up, working with your passion every morning rather than something that's just making a career. Thank you.
0: So, Keola, okay, you have done the podcast with me. Which platforms or which platform is your favorite one? Where should the people now, that now listen to you follow you?
1: Actually, uh, I think uh, my LinkedIn profile is the most relevant. That's where I do most work uh, and post most kind of like relevant thoughts and updates on my professional self. Um, so, Ola Sars at LinkedIn, um, I try to be very active on LinkedIn. I actually think the community has significantly improved uh, lately.
0: And uh, you listen now, you can just check the uh, episode details and I will link Ola's LinkedIn there. So you can press follow him immediately now when you hear it. And you that have been listening to us, a quick ask from me, please. It would be amazing if you can take 20 seconds and drop five stars on this podcast if you like what you just heard. Because I really love so much of Ola's input. So please support the podcast with a five star review. And Ola, a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes with me to help me and the community keep on
1: learning. Wonderful, thank you for having me. It was a pure pleasure Yusuf. Yes,